magnify you, almighty God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. You're worthy, Lord. You're worthy, God. We worship you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, we magnify your name, Jesus. We glorify your name, Jesus. Hallelujah, let the name and the authority of the name of Jesus be established here even now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we worship you. You are great and greatly to be praised, and we magnify your name. Your name holds all power. Your name holds all authority. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We bind every other influence, every other spirit, anything that would try to work contrary to your will. We bind it now in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray the liberty that is here, the flow of your spirit accomplishing what you intend, Father. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. The Lord bless you. You can be seated. Amen. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord tonight. Praise God. Grab your Bibles, the book of 1 Corinthians. Amen. Praise God for His manifest spirit. Amen. Praise God. You know, I ask you to move and pray. The only difference that initiated for you is that instead of you sitting and just waiting, you realized you went somewhere with a purpose. It's the only difference. You went somewhere with a purpose. Some of you went to the altar. Some of you went to the chairs up here. Some of you went and stood. You... Did God change because you moved from one place to another? No. All that happened is you determined, okay, I'm supposed to be doing something right now since I moved. When we gather together, he said, my house shall be called the house of prayer. Amen. And so when we're in fellowship with him through the week, we come in, greet somebody, but begin, just enter into his presence it creates an atmosphere like this where his spirit is manifest and he ministers without hindrance. Amen? Praise God. I think we're probably going to move quickly tonight. I trust and pray that your spirit is open to receive of the word of the Lord. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Starting with verse number 1. Paul said, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things, 
and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of the woman is the man, the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head. For that is even all one as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of the man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman. But all things of God. Judge in yourselves. Is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. You doing all right? All right. Let's keep going. Now in this... That I declare unto you, I praise you not. Now, remember when he started in verse 2, he said, I praise you. Then he shared some things. He's still continuing. Now, in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not. That you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you. And I partly believe it. It's an interesting transition, isn't it? He just went from covering to divisions. Verse 19. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper, for in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one's hungry and another's drunken. He's addressing a situation in the Corinthian church where we won't go into all that, but he's talking about differences in class systems. There are sort of these social class systems. You'll see that in a second. Verse 22. What? Have you not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God and shame them that have not? 
What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Everybody say, my body. This is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, as oft as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body. Everybody say the body. And the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning, the Lord's body. Everybody say the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren... When you come together to eat, tarry one for another. If any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together to condemnation. The rest will I set in order when I come. It's a pretty powerful chapter. Pretty powerful chapter. And I want to, I know it was a lot of reading, but I feel the Holy Ghost even just in reading it there. I believe you do too. Now, I want to read again. I don't think I'm going to read the whole chapter again, but I want to read in the ERV. You don't have this one with you, maybe. So you can just listen. Just hear the words, okay? Follow my example just as I follow the example of Christ. I praise you because you remember me in all things. You follow closely the teachings I gave you. But I want you to understand this. Are you listening? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm listening. All right. Don't be lying in church. But I want you to understand this, Paul said. The head of every man is Christ. The head of a woman is the man. The head of Christ is God. Every man who prophesies or prays with his head covered brings shame to his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies should have her head covered. If her head is not covered, she brings shame to her head. Then she is the same as a woman who has her head shaved. If a woman does not cover her head, it's the same as cutting off all her hair. But it is shameful for a woman to cut off her hair or to shave her head. So she should cover her head. 
But a man should not cover his head because he is made like God and is God's glory. But woman is man's glory. Man did not come from woman. Woman came from man. Man was not made for woman. Woman was made for man. So that is why, hear this. So that is why a woman should have her head covered with something that shows she is under authority. Also, she should do this because of the angels. But in the Lord, the woman needs the man and the man needs the woman. This is true because woman came from man, but also man is born from woman. Everything comes from God. Decide this for yourselves. Is it right for a woman to pray to God without something on her head? Even nature itself teaches you that wearing long hair is shameful for a man. But wearing long hair is a woman's honor. Long hair is given to the woman to cover her head. Some people may still want to argue about this. But we in the churches of God don't accept what those people are doing. Pretty straightforward, isn't it? Now, everybody doing good? Aren't you glad you came to Lord Church, the house of the Lord tonight? The Lord came. I'm glad he came. Where we start is not where we're going to finish. So I hope you don't. And if we were going to finish right where we started, I hope you wouldn't check out anyway. We read this writing from Paul. About the woman and the man and Christ and relationship and authority and covering. Right? Pretty clear and pretty plain, isn't it? Not real twisted and complicated and hard to figure out. He uses the word head. The word head there in the Greek is the same all the way throughout that chapter. Um, I didn't check every single one of them, but most of them that I checked, they were all the same. So if you find one that's different, I... the word head there is the same. And so it's a Greek word. It can mean one of two things. It can mean head like your head. And it can mean head like one that is an authority. It means the same thing. So when the scripture says the man is the head of the woman, it does not mean the man is the dictator or the authoritarian. That's not what that word means. It means the head is, the man is the authority in relationship to the woman. Now, that can make you bristle if you don't like the word of God. Um, I, I can say that to my wife all day long. I can say, I'm your authority. And she's not bothered by that. Why? Because what does me being her authority mean? It means she has covering and so now she can walk in authority because she is under authority. Does this make sense? So the man is given as an authority or a head is the head of the woman. Men, that does not mean you're the boss with authoritarian words and dictator-like mentality. That's not of God. That's not of God. And... I know usually when we're talking about some of this stuff, the women can feel like, well, man, it's sort of one-sided. Don't worry, we're not done yet. 
but we each have our part. And if I don't do my part, that doesn't give my wife the right not to do her part. Two wrongs don't make a right, somebody once said. She still has a responsibility to the word of God. And the power of the word of God even lets me know that the unsaved husband could be sanctified by the wife. Pretty powerful thing, isn't it? So, the, the man is the head of the woman. He's the authority. He's the covering. And the woman has this covering that she's given of God as well. The scripture tells us a man, when he prays or prophesies, should have his head uncovered. That a woman should have her head covered. Well, we read a little further. We read clearly that in verse number 11, I believe it was, her hair is given her for a covering. Why would the Lord talk all about a covering and then say that her hair is given her for a covering? Well, so we would clearly know, I have a question for you. Who made a woman's hair? The Lord did. It's not a man-made covering. It's a God-made covering. And so, you know, in the Garden of Eden, we have this example. Brother Flowers, you mentioned this to me the other night. Now it's all coming back to me. Well, I say all coming back to me. What a little bit. Man tried to cover himself. Remember that? They made something. The Lord didn't even accept what man made as their covering. Wasn't it good enough? It, it fulfills some. No, no. God had his own design. And so it is, ladies, that God gave you a head of hair. And if you see a bald woman, does that seem strange to you? Yeah. If you see a bald man, does that seem strange to you? No. Isn't it interesting that nature would cause a man to lose his hair and be bald? But if a woman were to lose her hair and be bald, we know something is not right. That's God's design. It's his covering that he made for a woman. And that covering serves purpose. Now, we're going to move from here, but stay with me, please, please. This hair is given a woman for her covering. Man's covering is Christ. Woman's covering or her head is man. Ladies, good news. You stumble, you fall, you mess up, you have to answer to your husband or the one that God has given authority in your life or whom you've given authority in your life. Men, we stumble, we fall, we mess up. We have to answer to God. As a husband, as the covering of my wife, as her head, if I fail in that responsibility as her head, I have a responsibility to answer to my head. So I don't, I don't get out of the equation. It's like, well, that's not fair. Men have the authority. I don't want to submit to no man. Oh, a man has to submit as well. And, you know, the interesting thing is a man who's not under authority, it's a dangerous, dangerous thing. Wouldn't you agree? A woman who's not under authority is a very dangerous thing as well. 
And so God has given this order, this order that a woman's hair is her covering. It's very significant. We can't minimize this. It's very, very significant, a woman's hair. And we read there in the ERV, and I, I love it because it really takes the Greek out and makes it plain. If a woman does not cover her head, it's the same as cutting off her hair. But it's shameful for a woman to cut off her hair or to shave her head. What is the Lord telling us? There's something in a lady's uncut hair. Her long hair, the scripture says. Now, ladies, if you're here tonight and, and you've cut your hair and this is revelation for you, don't let condemnation get into your life, okay? The Lord's revealing something to you from scripture, all right? Don't give the enemy room to condemn. Thank the Lord that he's showing you something in his word, okay? And so I just wanted to do that because I know how the enemy wants to try to plant some condemnation. We're just going to not give him that opportunity because the Lord's helping us. So, ladies, your hair is given you for a covering. And it is, the scripture says, for her glory, or where we read in the one translation, it reads, um, i got to find it again now here. Her honor. Thank you. The Greek word says glory, honor, and dignity. Her long hair is her glory, her honor, and her dignity. Isn't that beautiful? And so, let me read verse 11 to you, or verse 10 again to you. Um, in, and I want to read it to you. I'll read it in both translations. First in the King James Version, verse number 10. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head... Because of the angels. Okay. I've heard all kinds of interpretations of that verse in my life. Listen to this translation that we read already. So that is why a woman should have her head covered with something that shows she is under authority. That word power on her head, there's been this, um, I want to be careful. There has been this misconception or this misrepresentation of this verse that because a woman has long hair, she has power on her head. That's not what this verse says. A woman can have long uncut hair. And this verse not apply. Because that's not what this verse says. This verse says a woman's long hair is a sign. That's the Greek word that's used there is exousia. Is a sign that she is under authority. That there is authority in her life. Her long hair doesn't give her power. Her long hair is a sign to everybody that she's under authority. Now, I've known ladies in my life through the years that have had long hair, but they were not under authority. I call that hypocritical. Because we know hair is an outward appearance. 
but there's an inward thing that matters first. But long hair is a sign that a woman is under authority. You know, it's interesting to me about this. I um, had someone in my family uh, years ago. It's probably been 20 years ago, maybe. Um, or thereabouts. Yeah, probably 20 plus years ago. Uh, well, I just tell you, it was my baby sister. And she, she rebelled against my parents, took off. You know what the first thing she did when she took off was? She cut her hair off. First thing. Why? She stepped out from under, her parents were her authority. She stepped out from under authority. And the first thing she did was cut off the sign that she was under authority. It's the first thing she did. And she gave evidence to everybody. I'm no longer under authority. I no longer have authority over me. And verse that verse we just read, that's exactly what it means. Is her hair is power. It shows that she's under authority. And if she's under authority, guess what, ladies? If you're under authority, that means you have authority. But if you're not under authority, you may have power, but it's not coming from where you want. But you do not have authority, and there is a difference. And so this is the power of uncut hair. Now, it's got to be a matter in, the, in your spirit as well. It's not enough to just do it on the outward. But the hair is evidence. And so, this is very, very critical and important. In these first 16 verses of this chapter, Paul is clearly dealing with covering and one's relationship to authority. In covering. We see that. But I want you to consider this part of the verse that we where it says, because of the angels. Because of the angels. I have heard that scripture taught that her hair means she has power with angels. That's one way I've heard it. I don't know if anybody else has ever heard it that way. That's not what the scripture says. I've heard people say, well, that means she has power and angels are with her. That's not what it means either. That's not true. We've already talked about what the power means. It's a sign that there's authority. Because of the angels, I was praying about this. The Lord woke me up dealing with me about the latter half of this passage of this chapter. And he ended up taking me back up to this top part. I have a question. Who besides God is all-knowing? No one. Can... Angels or demons read your mind? Absolutely not. Now they can put stuff in it. They can plant thought. But they can't read your thoughts. Can they read your spirit? Not unless you open your mouth or you do something that shows them, right? They can't read your spirit. Only God can do that. So what happens... When you have power or your hair shows you are under authority and your heart aligns with what your hair shows. 
shows you are under authority. Angels, it doesn't tell us whether these are good or bad angels. I think it's both. The word that's used there is the Greek word for angelic beings. It's not separating just heavenly angels. Guess what? Ladies, when your heart's right and your hair's long and it's a covering, spirits that would try to come against you or spirits that would come to aid you, ministering spirits sent by God or spirits that would come to bombard you, they have outward evidence of whether you're under authority or not. That's what this verse is revealing. I believe. Angels can't read your mind. Angels don't know until they see an outward appearance. I believe the second that my baby sister cut her hair off 20 plus years ago. The spirits that were bombarding her mind knew they'd got through. And those that weren't bombarding her mind saw the evidence that what they'd done had worked and that she was now in rebellion out from under authority. Why do you think, ladies, I, I know there's some of you, you've sat with me and talked with me, don't worry, I'm not going to reveal any, about the battle at times along the way in your journey of life where you felt such a pressure to cut your hair. It's the enemy trying to get you pulled out from under authority. It's a trick of the devil. So, now let's shift a little bit. I know we spent some time there. But that was important. Amen? So now we read the second half of this chapter, and Paul begins talking about the body of Christ. And the Lord's body, and the working in the body, and divisions in the body. How in the world did he... Transition? Did he go, okay, I'm checking off my list. I covered coverings and hair and men and women. Okay, now what's next on my list? Okay, we need to talk about this now. Oh, no. Still talking in the same vein of the Spirit. Still writing in the same vein of the Spirit. And what is he identifying for us? First, he's telling us the value, the importance, the scriptural mandate for a covering in our lives. And God's order for covering in our lives. And then he begins to address the body as a whole. And what's happening in the body as a whole. And what he example, and I realize what he's telling us is, hey, if this first half of chapter 11 is out of order, it begins to affect the whole body. Husbands, wives, ladies, gentlemen. We have a responsibility to find a place before God and in His Word to do exactly what He said there at the bottom of those verses. Examine ourselves. What am I examining? I'm examining several things. I'm examining whether I am properly under my covering or not. Am I properly covered in accordance with the Scripture? Where do I search that first? Well... Praise the Lord, Bishop, I'm submitted to your authority. Well, it means a lot if I say it, but it means nothing if my spirit doesn't bear witness. And if my spirit bears witness, I don't really have to say it. Amen? If my spirit is submitted, I don't have to say it. And I'll let you know this. If your spirit is submitted, you don't have to say it. I know. 
If it's not, you don't have to say it either. Paul was addressing how covering all of that was so critical because it affects the entire body. And so we and so then he makes these statements that we read here about. Let me get back down here again. Jump over. Where he says. Let a man examine himself, eat of the bread, drink of the cup. He that eateth and drinketh unworthily. That word unworthily in both places means the same thing. It's irreverently or without regard, without consideration. Without consideration for what? Without reverence for what? Without regard for what? The body of Christ. Who's the body of Christ? We are. He said, he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself. How is that possible? Because he's not discerning the Lord's body. In other words, he's not, he or she is not having regard for the Lord's body when they're stepping out from under covering. When they're not willing to allow scriptural covering to be a part of their life. Don't worry, you're saying, man, Brother Hart, you're stretching this. You might think so. You just give me a minute. I'll show you. He said it more than once. That's why he tied these two things together. It's so important. Yeah, he was touching on some other things in the second half of Scripture. But that that he shared in the first half is so critical to the health of the body. He said, this is why some are weak and sickly among you. Why? You're not discerning the Lord's body. You're not understanding how your individual actions are impacting the body of Christ. That means you don't have a reverence for the body. That means you're not discerning the body because you're only living independently as though you and I could have an independent relationship with God. There's nothing further from the truth. We have an interdependent relationship with God. We are the body of Christ, not individually, collectively. And so when I live my life independently, without authority, without honoring the covering that the Lord has ordained in Scripture, I am beginning to not discern the body of Christ, and I am irreverent toward the body of Christ. My living and my actions out from under authority affect you. And if you choose to live and act out from under authority, it affects me. And if I disregard that, I'm disregarding the Lord's body. This is all of us. Now, I could stand here and say, but you don't know what I'm dealing with. But you don't know what I'm going through. And that would be true. You don't. But I don't act based on where I am. I have to do everything discerning the Lord's body when he bought me and placed me as it pleased him. By the way, that's in 1 Corinthians 12. He set members in the body as it pleases him. When he placed me where it pleased, I now have a responsibility to where I discern the Lord's body. 
That's why these things are together in Scripture. Husbands, if you're operating out from under the covering and the authority of God and the God-given authority in your life, you're not discerning the Lord's body. And the Scripture is clear. It's damnation to yourself. And you're doing it. We have a responsibility to consider our daily living in relationship to the body. Amen? Can you imagine if I took my arm one day and said, you know what? My arm decided it's going to do whatever it wants. I don't care about the rest of this body. If I want to go and run myself right through a table saw and lay it right across the top, I'm my own arm. I can do whatever I want. You think it's going to affect the rest of my body? Yeah, buddy. We understand that in the natural. It's true also in the spiritual. Except we have to understand this. Brother Lewis, come here. Brother Martin, come here. Here, Just stand right here. I'm not going to hurt you. (laughs) Heard about table saws. I got nervous. (laughs) We are interconnected as a body. We're members one of another. And the action of one directly affects another. You agree with this? So this has to be understood in our spirit. Because then it affects how we live, walk, and act every day. Amen? So now. Babe, come here. Sister heart, sorry. Sister babe. The Lord said, for this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and cling to his wife. And they too shall be what? One flesh. Question. Does what I do on the job affect her? Absolutely. Does what she. I don't know if this is good English. Does what she does at home. When I'm away on the job, affect me? Yes. We are members one of another. Why do you think the Apostle Paul started with the man and the woman? Because guess what? Both of us are part of the body of Christ. And there is no part of the body of Christ that is more closely connected than a husband and a wife. And so we are connected to the Santos and we're connected to Annie and to Renee and Tisha. And I can just keep going through the room. We're all connected, but there is no connection in the body more close than this connection between a husband and a wife. And so Apostle Paul started there laying out what that looked like. Because if I don't get that right and I don't seek as a husband to get that right and she doesn't seek as a wife to get that right and make that a priority in our life, it affects the body. I have a responsibility to her. She has a responsibility to me. 
we have a responsibility to the body. Not because of role or title or position. Yes, it comes with that too. But because we are placed in the body together. And what we do affects the body. And if I start acting as though what I do doesn't. And it's our own deal to do whatever we want. I'm not discerning the Lord's body. I'm irreverent and have no regard for the body. The Lord's trying to help us. You say, man, the heart is something wrong. Not to my knowledge. I think the Lord's trying to establish some things and plant things in our spirit and help us understand his order because he flows through his body. And he works in the earth through his body. Amen. And we talk about unity in the body. This is critical. So let me hurry to finish. So you don't think, man, I'm just really stretching to make this stuff all fit. Go with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. I had a Bible somewhere. There it is. Ephesians chapter number 5. And let's just start at verse number 20. Ephesians 5 and verse 20. Writing to a different church. Writing to the church, but in a different city. Let me say it that way. Verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. That sounds a lot like a body, doesn't it? Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Amen? There's many of you that have shared things with me that have pricked my spirit and caused me to respond to God because I know you pray and you fellowship the Lord. And so I submit my spirit to that. I've witnessed that in mine and Bishop's relationship. I remember when it first happened... Quite a few years ago, it was really weird for me. It was the first time in any measure like that I'd been exposed to that. We submit ourselves one to another in the fear of God. My wife can say things to me. And if she says it with the right spirit, and I know this is the Lord talking to me right now. Or I know, hey, I need to give ear to that. Is she stepping out from under authority because she... No, she's under authority. But we need each other. We're a part of the body. And so she can say things to me. She's done it many times, probably more than anything in our lives, about our kids where I'd act a certain way. And she'd say, honey. And I'd ponder what she said. And I'm like, you know what? She's right. I need to check my spirit and my attitude about that. So we submit one to the other. Let's read a little further. Verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. I, I, I always marvel at that verse because it says your own husbands. And I've read that before and I thought, well, that's goofy. What other husbands are they going to submit to? But you know, through the years... 
I've watched people who would submit to husbands of another, but not their own. It's true. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Well, how is that supposed to look? How are we supposed to do that? The scripture says, as unto the Lord. But you don't know my husband. Probably not. But I didn't write the scriptures either. As unto the Lord. Why? Verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Oh, look, now we're seeing this connection between the husband and wife and Christ and the church. And he is the savior of what? The body. What is Paul doing? He seems to be tying this all together. He absolutely is because it's that intricately woven together. Verse 24. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands. Husbands say amen. And that was weak if I've ever heard weak in my life. Husbands say amen. Husbands to be say amen. Amen. We have some engaged men in the room. All right. Listen to what the scripture says. Because we all want to, we want to be, you know, husbands, we can be like, wives, submit yourselves as un, unto me as unto the Lord. Husbands, this word from the Lord is for you and I. Love your wives. Well, how are our wives supposed to submit? As unto the Lord. So, husbands, how are we supposed to love our wives? Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, I'm not standing here tonight like I've got this verse figured out and mastered in my life, okay? Just be real and honest here and open. But I can tell you, men, we better be striving for it. We better be praying that way. However it sounds for you, I can tell you how it sounds for me most of the time. God, I can't do this. Not because my wife isn't easy to love, you understand. But the depth of love that he has for his church. To express that. The only way I can do that. Is if he'll love her through me. If he'll love her through me. And guess what, men? If I'm not fellowshipping him, it's pretty hard for him to love her through me. If I'm not spending time with him, it's pretty. And so what am I doing then? I'm beating my head against the wall because I can never do that. And guess what? In my humanity, in my flesh, you and I as men can never do that. So we have to be in relationship and fellowship with God and say, God, let your love flow through me to my wife. Show me how to live like that. That's one of my chief's desires. I mean that with all of my heart. Lord, show me how to do that. 
Like you love the church and gave yourself for it. Verse 26. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church. You see what the Lord just did riding through Paul? He just shifted right into the church here. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Let me ask you this question. How did the church become precious? No spot, no wrinkle, no any, nor any such thing. Holy and without blemish. The church do that on their own? No, not at all. Who did that? God, Christ. How did he do that? Because he loved the church. Husbands, you want a wife that is glorious, no spot, wrinkle, any such thing, holy and without blemish? Then love her like Christ does the church. Oh, let us ask, we're the church, right? Did we all come to Christ and Him love us because we're all perfect and have no faults and failures, no blemishes, no spots, everything's in order? No. But look how He's going to present us to Himself. That's a product of the love of God operating into the church. It's the example of how the husband's to love his wife. I can tell you as a husband, I've got experience. 26 and a half years of experience. I can tell you all the ways not to do it. I can tell you this. I spent way too much time trying to fix my wife. I use that term loosely. All the things I thought should change this, that, why not this, why not that. She had a lot longer list than I did. I'm not saying she really did, but I know she did. Because I know me. But love will answer those things. The love of Christ working through us will heal and answer those things. Okay, I'm hurrying to finish right now. Verse 30. Or 28, sorry. So ought men to... He just shifted again. You see that? Boom, boom. See him shifting back and forth? So ought men to love their wives. How? As their own bodies. <laughs> there are some with the new year that they are really loving their bodies right now. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, man, yeah. yeah. Working it out, man. I'm getting in shape. I'm getting fit. Loving their own bodies, men. You should take care of your body. I'm not picking on you. I think it's a good thing. Men, that's how you're supposed to love your wives, as your own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Pretty good indicator whether you love yourself or not by how you treat your wife. Verse 29, for no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth, cherisheth it. Even as the Lord, the church. 
Now watch what he says in verse 30. For we are members of what? We just shifted right back there again, didn't we? For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Verse 31. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Do you see how through that passage of Scripture, he went husband and wife and church and Christ and the church and we the body and husband and wife and the body and church and Christ. and It's exactly what we see him doing very distinctly and separate in 1 Corinthians 11 where he started with covering and authority and the husband and wife and then began talking about the body. But in Ephesians chapter 5, he just layered it all together. And just so we're clear, verse number 32, this is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Why don't you stand with me? Nevertheless, verse 33, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. When you get time, you can go ahead and read chapter 6 because it's a continuation. It's not a new story. Chapter 6 begins with children obey your parents. If chapter 5 is not right, you'll never have any success with chapter 6. You show me something where chapter 5 is out of order. And I'll show you chapter 6 where children will not obey their parents. It is a product of chapter 5. Now consider the body of Christ of which we're a part. Now if you're here tonight. And the word of God seems to be, you're like, man, it's sort of getting in, it's digging at me a little bit. That's the conviction of the Lord. That's not condemnation. Don't give room to that. The Lord is trying to help us, the body, because of how he wants to use the body. And none of these things that we've read and talked through tonight will we ever accomplish in our own ability. We need the operating of his spirit in our lives. Covering is critical. Spiritual covering is critical. Amen? For each and every one of us. What does it do? We're under authority so we can operate in authority. That's a privilege. Would you lift your hands and your voices to him with me right now? In the name of Jesus, Father, we receive of your word tonight. We trust in you and we hold fast to you. I pray, I pray, let us rightly discern the Lord's body. Let us rightly discern your body, Father. In the name of Jesus, I pray, rightly discerning the body, Father, that we would be framed together the way you intend, a holy habitation of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, According to Paul's words, I pray, let me examine myself in relationship to the body. I pray in the days ahead, Father, we can't just settle this in a few minutes. 
the end of this service, Lord. But in these days ahead, I pray this word work in my spirit. Let me examine myself in relationship to every part of the body. That closest to me with my wife and my children. And then in relationship to the entire body of Christ where you've placed me as a member. In the name of Jesus we pray. Lead us and guide us. I bind the voice of condemnation. I give it no place and no room. I command it to go. But I pray the conviction of the Spirit of God upon our hearts to lead us and guide us as a body, that we be what you intend, functioning with you as our head, directing and instructing us, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. I release restoration. Let it begin by the working of your Spirit. Healing in the name of Jesus, I pray. Come on, reach to him just a minute longer there. Come on, the Lord can do a quick work if we'll submit our spirit to him. If we'll receive of his word. And receive of his grace that enables us to do what we can't do ourselves. If we'll repent and receive of his forgiveness where we need to do that, the Lord will restore. He'll direct. He'll bring proper alignment in the body, in our homes, and in the body of Christ. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Amen. I'm asking us to continue to wait on the Lord regarding this word. I could have just said, why don't we find a place to pray? And we could have prayed for a few minutes and left. And maybe our conscience would have been appeased. But we need to let the Lord work in our hearts. This is so critical. We got a lot of beautiful little young ladies in the church here. I, my heart was touched tonight. I didn't set them up, but I loved it when I saw uh, Alyssa and Mariah walk in with their hair down tonight. It's beautiful. I, I would bring them up here and have them spin around, but they, they would hate me for that. Dads, can I tell you something? Many of you have more than one girl. The Lord knew one was all I could handle. Brother Juan, you are a strong man. Dads, I can't tell you how many times I'd pull my daughter close and I'd tell her how beautiful her long hair was and the glory it was and the authority that it gave her when she stayed submitted to authority. And I charged her as a young lady. I don't care what temptation comes. Don't ever put scissors in it. Protect that covering God's given you. And I'd, and I'd tell her often how beautiful her long hair was. And I meant it. I wasn't just trying to reinforce. It's beautiful. That's just a free tip for all you dads that have beautiful little girls. Reinforce that in their life. What you're doing, you're reinforcing the beauty that God has given them. So they don't look to the world which lies about what beauty really is. Amen?
The Lord bless you. We'll see you Sunday if we don't see you before. Have a great night. Greet somebody. Let me turn that one off first. Uh, yeah, box it off.